Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it is the bio week, so we know for a fact by this point you're tired of hearing myself and Dave's voice going through airwaves. So for this week, we have a very special guest coming throughout the week, and today we have Kevin Little, a.k.a. Kev, a.k.a. the Sultan of Schemes from the X's and Knowles YouTube channel, coming and talk about how a team has improved from game one to game whatever it is right now, game 20 at this point, and also what happened from the first four games to the last three on today's edition of Locked on Seminoles. Let's ride. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Drake here, and not only do we have Dave in the stream yard, but like I said, at the top of the hour, we have Mr. Kevin Little of the X's and Knowles YouTube channel and his beautiful dog in the background, too. Kev, what's up? What's going on, my guy? <laughs> yeah, how's it going? Yeah, the, the wife's out of town, so I've got to keep the dog for the night. Oh, uh, you got to do, I mean, listen, that man's best friend right there. <laughs> Trust me, I got mine kind of, you know, put up with the way. My fiance taking care of her, but... We're not going to talk about pets. This is not the dog podcast, even though Dave, write that down. It's a great idea for a future show. Hard pivot. <laughs> uh, I mean, a very hard pivot. But, Kev, you were probably the most, I think the only program actually out there in the FSU space where that you know kind of does looks a little scheming-wise, looks at the play calling and everything else. So one of the things that we kind of brought you on here was to educate people like myself and also Dave to see how this FSU team has grown since probably game one of the Mike Norvell era and up until now. So I kind of wanted to start right there. What have you seen basically from game one to game 20 that basically overall that this team has basically not only improved, but someone has been a consistent, comp- competent team overall? Yeah, so I think it all starts and stops on the offensive side of the ball uh, with Jordan Travis. I think, uh, I mean, he wasn't starting at first, but when he was first kind of getting game reps, you saw uh, they were trying to be a little bit more creative. You could tell they didn't really trust him to, to, to make reads. Um, so they were doing a lot of that uh, triple option is, is kind of what I call it, but uh, it's basically a read. They read the backside defensive end. Uh, if he pulls it, he then reads reads in another defender to determine if he keeps it or throws a screen. So it's a it's a modern version of a triple option. They went to that a lot that first year. Uh, you can think back a couple of years ago to the Jacksonville State game when Tate Rotomaker started and they were they were struggling by halftime. Jordan Travis came in. They ran that play about twenty times and, and just kind of. Uh, wrecked them uh you saw kind of over the years that's kind of changed and uh jordan travis has developed as a passer and they've kind of put more trust in his hands um and the the passing game has really kind of evolved based off that uh norvell's always been kind of a one read guy no matter who the quarterback is even back to the um even back to his memphis days he, he wants to kind of be a vertical coach so they're going to run a lot of fades a lot of um a lot of what look kind of like corner routes the slot fade um and a lot of screens and so you see he's kind of growing into that he's got a strong enough arm to kind of make those throws um for the offensive line the offensive line has improved and one thing that you've seen this year they've gone to a lot more is is that outside zone uh that they weren't able to run the past couple of years so it was a big staple of his at memphis to be able to run outside zone uh, but as you can imagine, with any outside play, you need offensive linemen that are are fast enough to kind of get the edge, get the perimeter. And he really hasn't had that until this year. And 
over the past couple of games, you saw them go to a lot against NC State and against Clemson. Um, so they, they were primarily a counter team last year uh, and the year before, but but now you're starting to be able to, to run some zone concepts. So the, the offense is opening up for for all all parties as as more and more talent comes into into the team. Yeah. So I, the development in in those ways and just generally speaking, I think is obvious to most people that watch Florida State football. Um, if you take it more macro, not or mo- more micro, not looking from game one of the Norvell era, but game one of the 2022 Florida State Seminoles, it obviously is a tale of two sections of the year so far. <laughs> the first four games of the season, just we were on top of the world. It seemed like Florida State was back. It was the national media saying it. Didn't necessarily say Florida State was back, but the last three games have looked quite different, different to a lot of people. Looks like we're losing Dave. <laughs> That's a great, great yeah. way to say that. But I think right now, overall, Dave is asking that what is actually kind of seen from games oh. one through game four, four and oh. So oh, Dave, you're back. He thought about coming back. Yeah, I can I, I can talk about that um, while, while Dave gets his Internet sorted out. Um, so game one, Florida State, you could immediately see Jordan Travis had a lot more responsibility. If you go back and watch that LSU game, he's making a lot of checks at the line. Um, he's kind of operating the offense they kind of put it in his hands uh more so than not so really in the in the modern game you're either giving the defense different looks and adjusting to them or you're running fast-paced offenses uh so they, they kind of went with the, the the former where jordan travis has a lot of responsibility he's making checks he's changing the play at the line and against lsu that really worked um and you could see that they, they were consistently getting in the right play and, and kind of probably outperforming their talent level. Um, as the season's gone on, you've kind of seen them try try different things. Early on outside zone, the thing I was saying wasn't working. They were, they were getting blown up uh, with that. and But it's really kind of come on strong these past couple of weeks. But unfortunately, uh, Mike Norvell's offense lives and dies on the shot play. And so if you're, if you're dropping those shots or if, if Jordan Travis isn't sharp on any given day, uh, just a few of those can really can really hurt the offense. So um, I don't know if much has changed, but I, I think you really did see uh, they kind of had to get creative against Clemson. They they brought in some more two back sets. They did a little bit more motion. They got a little bit more creative with it. Um, and I, I think you'll probably see a little bit more of that going forward. I mean that. I mean definitely we can see that overall, and that's something that now we have Dave actually back in here. Dave, he just you know finished <laughs> up basically what your question was. So. I actually do kind of want to pivot now before we actually head over the break to what we've seen as the development of Jordan Travis. You're someone that actually kind of has been breaking them down for the past two years. What exactly is it behind basically kind of this? Like it wasn't even a step forward to me personally in the first four games. You saw kind of a, a big giant leap forward. Is it something yeah. that he's always been there around, like with Jordan? I see he simply needed more time, needed the weapons on the outside, or is there something that you can see on film that actually has made him transcend to the basically what he was in the first four games where he was a borderline elite quarterback. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And <clears throat> I think you definitely saw glimpses of it last season. So go back and watch that UNC film, go back and watch Miami last year. And <clears throat> you saw glimpses of him being a top 15 quarterback. You saw him making these throws using his feet. Um, but I think what he didn't have was the ability to be a top 15 pocket passer. Um, in order for him to open up the offense last year, he had to be moving. He had to be running. Um, and <clears throat> against LSU, he, he really didn't have many rushing yards, but he was able to, to distribute the ball effectively. 
Um, I, I, I do think there's a big part of that. Last year, you were unable to win any one-on-one matchups on the outside. Um, last year, by far, your best receiver was was Ontario Wilson, maybe Malik McLean on a good day. Um, and now both of those guys have kind of been buried. Uh, you have Johnny Wilson, you have Micah Pittman, both of which have been pretty reliable winning man coverage. And I think, I think while Jordan Travis's evolution has been impressive it's it would be foolish to deny that having more weapons and a more solid offensive line in front of them hasn't helped okay perfect perfect then before we actually actually dave you got one more before the break no drake i was just going to tell you that you were right that jordan travis did look elite the first four weeks of the season (laughs) and i want you to tell everybody about something else elite please Oh, okay. You know, folks, our friends over at Sweatblock, they're the title sponsor for today's show. Basically, folks, if you're listening to this on the microphone right now, you can't see me. I am a heavier set individual. So, as you might know, I'm an attorney. I wear suits and ties all day. So, your boy gets extremely sweaty. But Sweatblock was created by doctors to help with my own excessive sweating. Is a doctor created and doctor recommended. If you or someone you love, like myself, is experiencing embarrassing sweat, odor, or odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% off with promo code locked on L O C K E D O N at sweatblock.com. Once again, save 20% off with promo code locked on L O C K E D O N at sweatblock.com. Folks, trust me, it works. And also, they are on Amazon. Kevin, okay. We're not going to yeah. stay on the offense here forever. Uh, Drake, uh, Drake here is not Adam Fuller's biggest fan. Uh, him and you've seen a lot of people over the course of the last two and a half seasons at various times recommend firing Adam Fuller. The defense has been the strength of this team throughout Mike Norvell's tenure. And I think to this point in the season, injuries notwithstanding, uh, I think it's it's probably disappointed relative to the top 25 expectations that a lot of some people had. What are you seeing in the defense this year that has unimpressed you and what are you seeing that has exceeded your expectations so this this season kind of took an interesting turn in terms of how they played defense so fuller's always been a cover four guy he he was a cover four guy when he was before his time at memphis he was a cover four guy at memphis he was a cover four guy the past couple seasons here uh you've seen florida state move to a lot more man coverage uh keep two safeties over the top uh, and a lot of that has to do with, I, I think they really don't trust their corners. And, uh, I think that there's, there's some, a real concern about leaving those corners on islands. And you've seen, uh, Florida state typically keeps two, two safeties over the top, kind of in a more, you know, more conservative shell in order to protect those corners. But that also means that you're taking guys out of the run fits. And so that's why you see this kind of defense that's kind of been don't break kind of style this season it's it's been like a large uh large faction people that are really critical of it um and you know it is what it is i th- i think that i think it i think he's doing a good job of addressing their weaknesses but i think the 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 concern is that uh like in a cover four scheme and a zone scheme it means those safeties get to play close to the line of scrimmage that means that you get to have jamie robinson and akeem dent kind of being more of a presence in the run game both of them are more box safeties than they are true coverage safeties so uh i think i think the fact that you're covering up your weaknesses means that you're also more more vulnerable or i guess you're not utilizing your strengths necessarily to, to their fullest potential so uh it's it's one of those things where everything in football as soon as you give something away 
uh, you get something and and you can never have anything for free. So uh, it's it's a tough call, and that's just what they've run with this season. Yeah, I'm about to say, I think one of the biggest things that we've seen overall is the defensive backroom, basically from corners. You see also with Akeem Dent, Akeem Dent the past two games, my NC State has been Bad. basically regressing poorly. And yep. then you see Omaran Cooper, who I'm not 100% sure he's fully healthy. But then you see Kevin Knoll. I think, I think Kevin Knoll's season's very, I guess, you can sum it down to one play, and it's the miss sack on DJU. Because that's yeah. basically been since game one. But also, how much of it is basically the defensive line, since Fabian Level went down, struggling to get home? Because that also could be basically, it's not helping your corners. And quite frankly, there's, a lot, there's enough plays to point that out to as well. But how much is the defensive lines, I guess, lack of pure production kind of hurting the rest of the team? Yeah, so that's, you could tell they were banking on the defensive line to be the, the that they could keep those safeties back and be a little bit more conservative because they, they felt like they could trust their defensive line. Um, so really losing, having Burst come in and out of games, losing Fabian Lovett, <clears throat> having Robert Cooper kind of being in and out has really, has really meant that that risk you took of being more conservative isn't paying off because, well, now you can't really trust your defensive line to win one-on-ones and you can't trust your, your secondary win one-on-ones. So where do you turn to? And so, um, I, I think that hopefully you get love it back here soon. And hopefully that the style of defense they're playing makes a little bit more sense with him in the game. I think it did against LSU, but, uh, we'll kind of see how that, that goes moving forward. Yeah. Obviously we're going to get some guys healthier, if not necessarily back from injury after the bye week probably couldn't be a better time for it. Kevin, if there's anything that you would like to see happen on this defense, other than everybody magically become healthy, is there anything schematically you would like to see this defense doing differently the final five games of the season that you know they're capable of doing? Yeah, so, I mean, my answer is always going to be schematic because that's kind of how I see the game of football. Um, But yeah, I'd like to see him to go back to a little bit more cover four. I think Jamie Robinson and Akeem Dent really shined there. I think you're right that they've kind of, disappeared um i'd like to see them kind of kind of play more heavy nickel so that's that's taking someone like uh kevin Knowles out of the game who's more of a, tr- a coverage nickel and putting someone more like shaheem brown or um or someone or jamie robinson down in that role be more of a box presence um i'd like to see them be a little bit more physical on that on that side of the ball and, you know, if, if you give up a shot play, you just don't have many quarterbacks left on the schedule that you're really worried about beating you over the top. I mean, you have Jeff Sims, you have Anthony Richardson, who's got an arm, but not terribly accurate. <clears throat> Tyler Van Dyke is really the only guy that that's a threat to hurt you, and he doesn't have any weapons on the outside. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive. Um, and you've seen them kind of do that. They've, they've blitzed more against Clemson, against NC State than they had early on in the season once they kind of figured out that their backups at defensive line wasn't going to hold the fort for them. But um, with that always comes, you know, there've been more chunk plays against Clemson than, than you saw against anybody else. And so, yeah, I'd like to see them a little bit more aggressive, but also I'd like to see them healthy and see what their, their real peak is as a defense. Okay. Cause I, I know that basically I've seen you and coach AB. I think no, I know one thing coach AB likes like kind of his Chris has for Adam Fuller is that you have these longer ranger corners. Basically, why are they yep. playing so far off all their men? So I actually liked you bringing that up. And then you also brought up Jeff Simpson and Anthony Richardson. One thing that we've seen that actually with this Adam Fuller defense, he's been at FSU is that they do struggle with more athletic quarterbacks. And basically we have right now 
Jeff Sims, and then you have Garrett Schrader, <laughs> who somehow now knows how to throw the ball, which is crazy to me. Yeah, but they've got an elite new, offensive coordinator there. Yeah, the Virginia OC who made Brent Armstrong look like a monster. Yeah, yep. that kid's going to that guy's <laughs> really good at his job. So then what is exactly like, can you pinpoint to Prima being a weak, uh, the reason why, for some reason, I think Dave has coined the term as that we, we have every single player has their new Heisman campaign if they're a dual threat QB against us. So what exactly is basically the primary reason behind that? And then how do you basically scheme around kind of limiting that kind of damage? So, um, early on in the season, so I would have argued preseason. So, uh, watching the games last season, I would have argued that a lot of the reasons Florida state struggled against mobile quarterbacks is because they didn't have mobile linebackers. Um, you had Kalen Deloach who became really, who kind of came out of his shell late in the season. But before that you were having to play. DJ Lundy at 250 pounds and Amari Gaynor, who in my opinion is more of an edge rusher than he is a linebacker. And um, so you're, you're playing both those guys at linebacker. So that, that, that makes it tough, but then you show up this season and you kind of have let Malik Cunningham have a day. Jaden Daniels has a few big runs that, that kind of springs things open for LSU. And you, and you wonder if this, if this theme has kind of continued, um, and I think they did a little bit better against DJ uh, last game. They were a little bit more aggressive. I thought early they were a little tr too trusting in their defensive line against those quarterbacks. And I, I thought that you saw Malik Cunningham kind of eat them up. I think they're going to, they, they have to be more aggressive. Honestly, if, if they're not, I'm going to be right there on front of the, the fire fuller train, just like everybody else. Um, I've been as probably one of his biggest supporters so far, but, if, if you're not more aggressive, if you're trying to spy, if you're trying to spy like Derek or Garrett Schrader with, with Derek McClendon, then I've got a problem with that. Bring a safety down, have Jamie Robinson be that guy. That's going to stop their quarterback at, at any costs. Don't ask, you know, Tatum Bethune or, or Derek McClendon to, to trail a guy that's running a four, seven, you know, four, six. So yeah, that I think I think you're going to have to see some schematic changes uh, because otherwise, yeah, you're right. These are teams that probably do match up well offensively against Florida State, who has not looked good against mobile quarterbacks in years. Drake, speaking of matchup, what are our listeners going to match up well with? Well, folks, if whether it's your small business or you're looking for a new job, you always need to go over to LinkedIn Jobs, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. Best qualified candidates? Look at the Kev down here. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Dave, you used them before, right? I have. I've posted, at, I've posted a couple job listings now on LinkedIn. It is very easy to do. You do get quality candidates. It Everybody's on LinkedIn these days. There is no easier place to post a job. And like it says here in the top right, it is free. And that is always nice. It's for the free folks. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free, for free, and for the free. And as always, folks, terms and conditions may apply. All right, Kev. We're in the home stretch now. Basically, this is where we get more of the personal questions, learn a little more about you as the FSU fan. Before we do that, I do want to ask you your expectations heading into the last five games of the season. I know you're going to be breaking down a lot more film on your X's and Knowles channel with Coach AB and Trey Roll and that scumbag. 
But overall, what are <laughs> expectations actually for this team heading into the last five? Yeah, so this is this is the stretch where Mike Norville really has to to earn earn his money, right? So you look at the past three games, you can be disappointed that they lost to NC State. But realistically, going into the year, we thought Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson were all better football teams than this one. When we're doing our win expectations, you, you had seven, eight wins for a reason, and it's because ACC Atlantic is a slaughterhouse. Um, yeah. The back half of the season is kind of weird because it's not what we expected preseason. We expected Miami to not be a complete dumpster fire, or, or most people did. Um, <laughs> we expected Florida to... I don't know. I didn't expect much from Florida, but uh, Syracuse was was not expected to be this good. Um, jury's still out on if they're good or if they're just kind of beat up on a NC State team. They got a lot of luck going their way in that first game against uh, Louisville. So, um, but you know, Florida State hasn't gotten that luck. Uh, I think Florida State needs to win three. Uh, three's the the magic number of. If you win less than three, there's a lot of people who are very upset at Mike Norvell. Um, like that is the baseline, what you need to be able to, to accomplish. Um, and frankly, the the advanced numbers have you winning three. So uh, I think you can win all five and I think you you should be able to win four out of five. Uh, if, I, if I'm being honest, I'm disappointed if you if you only win three. Uh, but realistically, I, I, I think that the, the Louisiana game isn't a, as much of a gimme as we thought. Georgia Tech's looking better. Miami's a rivalry game at Miami. So these, these are games that if you make the kind of mistakes you made against Clemson or NC State, you, you can lose on any given Saturday. And because you lost against NC State, because you lost against Wake Forest and Clemson, you now have very little wiggle room to kind of mess up. Yeah, so that NC State game overall, like, kind of just is the main reason why I think most of the fan base is upset. Because I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm still projecting my anger from that game on the Clemson yeah. game. Even though if you watch the Clemson game, you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? They're the better team. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Ke- Kevin, I want to I want to test that actually. I want to test how, what comes first to you, the analytics or the fan inside of you. So, <laughs> two questions here. One. Does the way the season started and the way it's gone the last three games impact? what you find to be acceptable uh, for the rest of the season. In other words, you start 4-0, a scenario where you don't win eight games feels a bit more preposterous. So my first question is, A, does that change anything for you the way the season started relative to your expectations the last five? And B, does it matter to you if those two losses are to Florida and Miami? Uh, To be honest, I think that Miami's a a bad football team. Um, So that upsets me more than losing to a rival. Um, but I think that, yeah, I, I think he'd be foolish. I think that's why most people are upset, right? Like if you lost to LSU and beat NC state, if you kind of make that swap right now, most people aren't terribly upset about where this team is. Uh, but because it's three straight, you imagine, well, we could lose to anybody at this point in time. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the bias is there. Uh, the, the frustration is there, but, uh, I think realistically, if you can get out of the season with eight wins, I, I think we're all going to be lukewarm about seven wins preseason, but um, I'm still looking at eight wins. I was looking at nine before this three game stretch. That's had to go down a little bit. There is disappointment, but I I, I don't know. I, I, 
I have to be excited about the growth and kind of the schedule outlook for next season. If you're able to kind of finish this with eight wins and get a top 15, 20 recruiting class. What's the, what is the schedule for next season? Like, like, as I know we had a murderer's row these past three games and and LSU. And Oh, I mean, we opened with LSU and Orlando, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we'll be draw from that. But overall, I mean, I'm right there with you. Like David asked me that earlier in this week, and I kind of say that's more if we went if we went three and one and then actually had one more win against Fabian State and we were four and three, I'm like, you know what? I probably would have been a lot more okay with that. But then the fact, like you're saying, you start off four and oh, and then you lose those three games in the manner that you did, it definitely does leave kind of sour taste in your mouth. And now also I think Trey said when y'all were on for two four seven. Basically, the margin of error now is so much more thinner and smaller, yep. especially because, like you're saying, and Dave is the biggest Miami hater you can find, but I probably like yourself and Brendan, that Miami is not a very good football team, and neither is Florida. So losing to one of those two, quite frankly, to me, is less likely to happen than you losing Syracuse. Because Syracuse, to me, I think actually is a very sneakily good team. Yep. Especially in the Carrier Dome. <laughs> oh, no. It's the JMA Wireless Dome now. Remember, now oh, okay. it's the Wireless yeah. Dome with no Wi-Fi. No AC when it was an AC company. <laughs> now it's no wireless when they have no Wi-Fi. <laughs> But you gotta love it. let's not go over more to the personal side of things. You've already said your hatred basically about Miami. I did kind of want to ask you this. We ask this for every first time guest that comes on here. Which team would you prefer to beat more and why? Florida or Miami? Oh, man. Uh, as, as, a, as a fan, I have, I have a little respect for Florida. There's, there's like something there where it's like, you know, if they run through the SEC while we're good, I'm okay with that. But Miami, you know, the water's rising out of their feet. You know, it's not going to make me too sad. <laughs> yeah, they, they, talk know, a lot, an awful, they talk an awful lot for a school that's never won the ACC. So at least Florida's won some stuff. At least they have something hey, to talk about. You put some respect world. on that All Canes Conference. Yeah, All right, exactly. Canes Conference, Jesus Christ. And then also, I did want to ask you that. I know we talked about Jordan Travis basically being as a QB. Now he's been from... A lot of people were saying he was bottom five at the end of the year. Spoiler alert, I was one of those people, as long as a bunch of other media outlets. I kind of want to ask your opinion on the other QBs in the conference. Dave can already tell you that basically he has never been a believer in TBD. So overall, mm-hmm. we've been calling yeah. the AC as the conference of quarterbacks and uh, conference of quarterbacks for for the past two seasons. What do you make of the QBs in the conference overall? Like where would you kind of put them in the pecking order? Yeah, so a lot's changed this year, hasn't it? It's been kind of a weird season where preseason I would have been like, well, you got Devin Leary and Brennan, Brennan Armstrong and XYZ, but you shift, shift some offensive coordinators around and you start to see a different picture. Um, I think if we're talking college quarterbacks, I take Sam Hartman. Um, and I, I probably take a Malik Cunningham if he's still healthy. Uh, I, I take after that, I, I I'm probably leaning into the Devin Leary DJ Jordan Travis kind of area. I'd probably put those in a very similar space um, at this point this season. Probably w- wouldn't have last season. I thought DJ was the second worst quarterback in the conference last season. He was bad. Uh, he he was he was really bad. But he's he's looked really solid this year. Of course, it helps to play on Clemson and you know have better athletes at every position than the teams you play every week. So that's why I don't have them as high as many people would. You've got to just prove it more when you, when you play for a Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Um, so yeah, I kind of put Jordan Travis in that like middle, like three to five area with, with Devin Leary and, and, um, DJ, but I, I, I think they're a little bit below where Sam Hartman and, and Malik Cunningham kind of can be for you. 
Yeah, not to I mention. I love how you don't mention TVD at all. <laughs> oh, TVD. Yeah. So TVD was a was a product of Rhett Lashley being a genuinely good offensive coordinator um, and making life easy for quarterbacks. Uh, I think he's talented. I think he's can be a decent quarterback, but I also think they run an offensive system that was outdated when I was playing football in 2006, you know, like, uh, so, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think, I think he's got talent. I think he's got arm strength. I think that I wouldn't trade him for Jordan Travis. Yeah. And th- I, you didn't even mention UNC striking gold twice. Oh man. May. I forgot about Drake may Drake may is also a product of, of a system in a little, in some ways. Um, look, I'm going to be honest with you guys. My favorite offensive coordinator in the country is Phil Longo at North Carolina. And I think he's an incredible offensive coordinator. And I think UNC would be a top 10 team if they had a pulse on the defensive side of the ball. I think Drake May is incredibly talented. And I think that he probably goes up there. It's hard. It's hard to rank all these guys because I also forgot Garrett Schrader, who's looked like like a stud this year. And so it's like. Yeah, I might put I'd probably put both of those quarterbacks in that little mix where it's just I don't I don't see much separation between Drake May, Jordan Travis, whatever. But I also think if you put Drake May on Miami, he wouldn't look the way he looks. Yeah, nobody looks good on Miami. That's just a fact (laughs) in the colors or otherwise. My question (laughs) would be three weeks ago. Did this was that a different conversation? You was Jordan Travis in a different tier to you three weeks ago? Has that changed at all? Yeah, he was. He was in. DJ was lower and Schrader was lower and Drake may was where Drake may is. I, I it's hard to get a feel for him. They haven't really played anybody uh, that's really worth anything. Um, and his, that offense is just super efficient, super easy to run. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think he was maybe not in the sense that I think he's gotten a lot worse, but it did seem like he was remarkably consistent through those first, four games and he's kind of dropped off. I think to me, the the plays that really stand out were like those two fade routes that just were kind of poorly thrown on, on, on the goal line against Clemson. And it's just like, it doesn't feel like he missed those at the beginning of the season. I don't really know what's going on there, but I think he, he currently is a little bit below, but I'd still put him as a top 25 quarterback in the country. That's, that's kind of how the ACC is this year. Well, Kevin, Jordan is a top 25 quarterback, but you're a number one top five guest for coming on here today. Please, folks, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on today, but also let the folks know where they can follow you, go all your work, and basically support you from, you know, living in your squalor, because I do know you have a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I do I do have a Patreon, but uh, check out X's and Knolls. So that, that's the YouTube channel that I kind of started a few years back, uh, kind of out of out of... I missed coaching. I, w- I was out of it for for a second, and so I kind of started up the, the channel. As, I, I was uh, up in Georgia for for a minute, um, so I kind I kind of missed that. <laughs> um, nothing nothing major, but uh, yeah. So I find me on X's and Knolls. We do a lot of film breakdown, not a ton of uh, just podcasts, but if you want to kind of see what I'm talking about in action. Uh, you can watch basically any video I've got up there. We we try to sit down and kind of explain the, the nuts and bolts of what's happening. Yeah, you're not going to find a better place to tell you what your eyes are not telling you or not seeing correctly. To find our podcast, Drake, 
You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. Isn't that right? You can. And also, please don't forget to like this video. Hit the subscribe button at tippy tippy top and ding the little bell so you know when new content drops. And folks, please go like, share, subscribe, and do everything you can to help out X's and O's because that is the one-stop shop, the only premier seminal outlet that actually does do extensive fill breakdowns. They even tried a new sort of method and sort of a, uh, I guess, content this week with the Sports Center highlights. And that actually yeah. was something that was actually extremely interesting. And folks, please check it out. There's no one that does it better when it comes to scheming and X's and O's than the folks over at X's and O's. But for myself, Drake, that was Kev, and that was Dave. And we'll see you all next time on Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Win the bye week.